Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for attending this session and taking time out of your busy schedules to be part of reInvent. My name is Sabina Joseph, and I'm responsible for storage partnerships and alliances globally. And uh, Steve Nelson, who will be closing the session, is the Partner Solutions Architect. Steve and I work together with partners to bring the right solutions for our customers onto AWS. And we also work with customers in order to help them identify the right solutions for their use cases. Internally, we are the voice of our partners and our customers to our services and our sales teams. Um, many of you use different storage services in your environments today. We'll do a quick overview of the options available on AWS and focus on two specific reference architectures that are very dominant in your environments. The first is primary storage, which is basically storage that is available for your workloads, which is mission-critical applications or any other applications. And the second is leveraging AWS for backup and recovery. The stars of our session are our customers. Many of you have users located across multiple locations accessing files. Jeff Pisano from Carlyle Group will be discussing how he improved redundancy and access times leveraging file distribution services. We all do backup. Why not save costs? Ben Buckley, a systems integrator from GDIT, will be discussing a federal agency use case which leveraged AWS for backup and saved millions of dollars. And finally, Richard Spurlock from Cobalt Ion will be discussing enterprise customers, an international airline, a chemical manufacturer, and a global home appliance manufacturer who leverage AWS for backup as a service, saving costs, and improving processes. And Steve will close the session talking about the AWS building blocks and hopefully some Q&A. We're all on this journey together, um, and I realize that we have data from multiple different sources, uh, whether that is you know, data coming from files, audio, video, and many different formats. There's one thing in common. We all need storage in order to store this data. We also use different storage options in your environments today, uh, whether that's file, object, or block. At AWS, our goal is to provide you all the different options that you are using in your environment and also provide you storage that is reliable, scalable, in a pay-as-you-go model. You have EFS, which is file services, EBS, your block storage services tied to EC2 instances, Amazon S3, which is your highly scalable object store, S3 infrequent access, which is very similar to S3 at a slightly lower price, and finally, Glacier, which is ideal for cold storage. It is very important to use the right storage service depending upon your use case. You also have your favorite methods that you use to move data around, access data, uh, you might have different access time requirements based upon your business and compliance need. We have a whole bunch of options available for you. AWS Direct Connect, AWS Snowball, which is your highly scalable petabyte on NAS rugged device that we can ship to your location. Uh, you also have AWS Storage Gateway 
and thousands of options from our partners, whether that's storage partners, big data partners, and so on. You can use all of these different options in order to move large amounts of data, just incremental changes, different access time based upon your business and compliance need, and also access the data, whether that is workloads running in AWS or workloads running in a hybrid architecture model. In our daily lives, we use computers for many different purposes, whether that's mission-critical applications, big data applications, file services, spreadsheets, HR applications, e-commerce sites. All of this generates data, and we need to store this data, control the data, and access the data to be leveraged for other applications. We all, this is referred to as primary storage, which is basically storage that is tied to these workloads and can be file, object, or block. In a traditional environment, primary storage is usually visible to you as islands of storage tied to servers, can be complex to manage. Primary storage can reside within AWS. It can be also accessible for data for workloads running purely in AWS or in hybrid architectures. There are a whole bunch of options available to you today for primary storage. Amazon EFS, NetApp ONTAP Cloud, Cetera, Avira FXD, and many others. You also have users located across multiple locations accessing files. You may have a need in order to lock some of these files in order to protect the integrity of these files. You may also have a need to have a local file caching service in order to speed up access to these files. Options from Avir, Cetera, Pianzur, and others provide you file distribution services with one or more of these features. We all know there's a difference between NFS SMB protocols and Amazon S3 object storage protocols, but we need to move data around. There are physical and virtual gateways available out for you today that enable the translation of files and blocks into objects, such as, you know, many options out there, NetApp, Cetera, Avir, Panzura, Zadara, and many others. It would be awesome if we can use the replication mechanisms that are inbuilt into storage arrays in order to replicate the data into AWS. NetApp provides that capability so you can quickly start leveraging the AWS resources. Well, we've all had this happen to us. We've accidentally deleted data. Something malicious has happened to us. Computers have failed on us. What is the first thing that comes to our mind when these things happen? Have I saved this data? The second thing is, how quickly can I access and recover this data? Backup, recovery, and archive is one of those processes that we all take for granted, but we hope that we are all doing it on a regular basis. Backup is basically your single copy of data at that point in time, and archive is your only authoritative copy of data. In a traditional environment, backup and recovery is usually done to tapes, and archive is usually done to slow disk, optical media, tapes, depending upon the value of your data. This could introduce high cost, complexity, 
may even lower reliability. There are many customers, maybe some of you are in the audience today, who are already leveraging backup recovery and archive in AWS. Maybe it's one of the very first workloads that you start with on AWS. Typically, there are two approaches that are used by customers. The first is having a physical or a virtual appliance on-prem that acts as a backup target and backs up the data into Amazon S3, S3IA, Glacier, and even Snowball. There are options available from AWS Storage Gateway to NetApp Altable, Cetera, and many others. Well, I'm sure that some of you are already using backup software in your environment today. It would be awesome if uh, the backup software could back up the data directly into Amazon. There are options available from CloudBerry, StoreReduce, Veritas, Commvault, EMC Networker, IBM Spectrum Protect, formerly Tivoli Storage Manager, Druva, which is a SaaS solution, that have natively integrated their software into S3, S3IA, Glacier, and even Snowball. You can also leverage features such as compression, encryption, deduplication with one or more of this software. You can also use both of these approaches in parallel, depending upon your environment. You can also use it to back up your data for workloads running purely in AWS and from on-premise into AWS. So having said this, I would like to welcome our uh, very first customer, uh, Jeff Pisano, VP of Global Operations from Carlyle Group. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning, everybody. So my name is Jeff Pisano. I'm the head of global operations for the Carlyle Group. Uh, the Carlyle Group is a global private equity firm. Uh, we specialize <clears throat> in buyout, real assets, uh, GMS, which is our hedge funds business, and solutions, which is fund to funds. So the issue that I had a few years ago is we have 25, 30 offices globally, and we had physical file servers in each office, right? I'm sure everybody has something like that. We have physical file servers for speed and the use of the employees. During my uh, DR or BCP uh, project that I took on a few years ago, I started to interview all of our business. And they said that Excel file servers, Excel files on these servers are the most important uh, part of their business. So with the physical file server in each office, I was thinking to myself, well, I really don't have a proper DR or redundancy for these. So it was really concerning to me. So as you can see, with physical file servers, there's no redundancy. Uh, you cannot really have global file sharing, as if you're traveling from Sao Paulo to Washington, D.C., you're VPNing in, going all the way back down to Sao Paulo on a slow Internet connection in your hotel. It just really wasn't working. Uh, we were backing these up using tape, so if we had to go to tape, it could take to 24 to 48 hours, and really there is no mobility on physical file servers. So that really was concerning to me. Our most important files are Excel files, and I really had no DR where unlike our PeopleSoft environment, we have replication, we have all that to, to multiple locations. So, you know, file sharing alone is not the solution, as I can say here. So what we decided to look at is obviously the three options. We could go with uh, on-prem again, have physical file servers, maybe replicate to a data center, um, but that could be slow depending on where you are. Some of our offices have only five meg uh, internet circuits depending on the country. Uh, we could do a hybrid model or we could go full SaaS. 
If you go full SaaS, there could be some limitations of that. If you drop your internet connection in your office, you're down as well. So what we chose was a combination, what I think is the best of both worlds, Le leveraging AWS and Satera. So what that allows us to do is have local NAS devices that just like a physical file server, uh, the employees don't notice anything, and then have a one-to-one -one copy to AWS. So in case the local NAS went down, we can point the employees to uh, AWS and it works great. And then obviously with AWS, we can leverage all the different regions. So as Carlisle and a lot of financial institutions, we do have privacy laws, compliance issues, so we're able to leverage Satera locally and then use the regional uh, S3 buckets to, to have the one-to-one -one relationship. So the United States backs up to S3 in the United States, same as Europe, same as Asia. So it makes really good sense for us. Um, and then what this also allows us to do is always have DR on, right? So if we, again, we do lose an office, we can repoint the employees one-to-one -one within 15 minutes, everything's working. It's, it's, it really has changed the way we work. So again, here, here is an example. Um, let's just say our Charlotte office goes down. We, we then point to S3 that quickly. Uh, and an example would be if probably five years ago, we really could have used this scenario in, in our Tokyo office, obviously, when they had the, the critical earthquake. We didn't have this in place. Uh, we lost the local file server. And what we ended up doing have is to get tapes to another office and then email files to the employees, which really was, just didn't work. So here, we have local NASs. It's fast speed access, it's great, works perfect, and then Satera has the technology to send it to AWS. It's a one-to-one -one, um, relationship, and we can leverage it. Another cool thing that we're able to do is high-speed global sharing. Since it's in AWS, uh, we can then, when you travel, you don't have to connect to the local uh, NAS anymore. You can go directly to Amazon. So if you're in the office, it's great, it's fast. Local NAS works great. If you're traveling, you then just connect to AWS. And then the technology with Satera allows you to replicate the both. It's, it's actually a, a pretty good product for us. Another cool phase that we're going to start implementing now is leveraging uh, anywhere, any device. So we now have on everybody's phones, my, my employees, the investor professionals, they want access to the data at all times, right? And you know, actually VPN, people hate VPN anymore, right? They don't want to go on a machine, they want to VPN in, they want to have, you know, Duo security, RSA security, you know, it's two, two extra clicks for them is, is too much, right? So what we now are able to do is on your app phone, iPad, Surface, whatever you want, MacBook, you can just then open up the files and go right to S3. So that allows us now to have anywhere, anytime access, which is critical for the Carlisle group. So, and then obviously with the security, uh, it is very important. You know, we have the 256 encryption, uh, Carlisle owns the keys, so all the, the, the blocks are up in S3. The keys are sitting in Carlisle, our CISO handles those, so we're not worried about any uh, security issues going to, to the cloud. So a high overview, again, is it allows us to have local speed, which is key, right? When you're dealing with 100 meg Excel files that are linked to another 100 meg files, 10 seconds is too much for employees members. We're allowed to have that. Redundancy, we're now able to have redundant in S3 for a one-to-one. -one. Again, it's, it's, it's incredible now, and I have to worry about DR. Um, another thing that allows us to do is, is backups, right? So we have, you know, like everybody does, we have disk. We, have, we keep uh, backups for three days on disk, and then we go to tape, and then we keep them in a, in, a, in a vault, right? 
what would happen is, let's say an employee needed something 45 days ago. We would then have to call Iron Mountain. We would have to get the tape. We catalog the tapes, get the thing. It could take up to 24 hours. We're a small IT shop, only 80 people. We just don't have the manpower to deal with it. So now we're able to back up in S3, and so we're able to get within five minutes now where it used to take 24 to 48 hours. And actually that happened within the first week of implementing Cetera and uh, AWS. And employees just were, were uh, ecstatic about that. That is probably one of the best things that, that we have. And then another thing is we're not in the business of managing hardware anymore, right? So the local NAS is, is small footprint, a couple of use, and everything is up in S3. And then we're able to then uh, you know, we, we can archive things to Glacier and different parts of that that's not being used very much. And so I'm not in the shop of being a hardware, you know, person that has to swap out hard drives every time. I can just shove everything up to, to S3. So for us, it's been a great win, and, and it really uh, has helped me reduce uh, our overhead. My engineers love it. Employees uh, are ecstatic about it, and it's a, it's a huge win for us. So next I'd like to introduce Ben Buckley from uh, GDIT. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Ben Buckley. I work for General Dynamics IT. Uh, I manage a large uh, contract for a government customer that I can't tell you the name of. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about GDIT. Uh, so GD General Dynamics makes a lot of cool things, planes, tanks, submarines. Um, we're the IT nerds part of it. We work for General Dynamics IT. Our focus is on enterprise IT, cloud solutions, uh, infrastructure, and data analytics. I can't really tell you about the customer specifically, but I can tell you a, bit, a little bit about their environment because it's kind of important to, you know, our, the presentation and in terms of like why we decided to do the things we did. So, our our customer has a very large global user population. Um, they need to distribute content to those users, and they're very they're very storage centric. They have a lot of unstructured content uh, that has to be distributed globally. Most of the data itself is resident in two distinct data centers, um, and then they have a very large, we have a very large virtual desktop environment that we maintain that about 70% of the user population consumes. This customer has a lot of custom applications that are sort of purpose-built for them specifically, and a lot of them are centered around actually managing the content that they have. And so it's kind of an expensive environment to constantly manage all of these applications that mostly do content management. There are some that do capability, but a lot of them are focused on content management. They also have, a, like this is fairly common in the federal government, but specific to this customer, they have a very uh, hard mandate to move to the cloud. They're saying by 2017, although given the, the pace, it's probably not gonna happen. So there are a few drivers for them to move to AWS. The first is actually just their mission. They don't want to focus on infrastructure. They're not looking to be in the infrastructure business. They really want to focus on their actual mission. So they see this as a distraction to the overall mission. They also want to provide rapid capabilities, and that tends to be in conflict with government procurement timelines. And so it's not always easy or fast to get infrastructure. There's a large contract process, and then you know, very little time to implement it. So, the, you know, it's compelling in the sense that you could provide rapid capability for new programs. I think the most compelling element of it is actually the, the data management needs of my customer work very well with the orchestration capabilities of AWS. And so a lot of these custom applications that have grown up over the years, we don't even really need a lot of the code that exists in there that just basically moves and catalogs data. And then the last one, of course, is cost. 
they don't, we'll never probably get out of the prime, like having a data center or two, but they definitely don't, they want to reduce their cost of facilities. And that really goes down to can we decommission infrastructure? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So as we were looking, so my contract manages the majority of the IT infrastructure, data center, um, virtual desktop, all that. So we manage a large swath of things. And our challenge was, how do we accelerate all this data movement to the cloud, you know, given where, what our footprint is and what we manage and control? Um, unfortunately, the applications themselves, we don't control, so we can't necessarily modify the applications to move to the cloud to use S3 natively. Plus, a lot of these applications are fairly delicate, and so we need to maintain the, the uh, performance characteristics of the enterprise storage. Um, and so ultimately what we decided to do was actually deploy physical um, storage gateways. And so the physical storage gateways speak SIS and NFS and sort of legacy protocols on the front, and they speak S3 on the back. So you can actually have all the data or most of the data reside in Amazon instead. So we were really looking for kind of one gateway. We didn't really want to deploy multiple ones. Um, but ultimately, we had to end up with sort of a portfolio approach. I think it's gotten a little bit better now, but when we started a few years ago, it was there were, we had to cho choose you know, multiple ones. Um, the first one I'll talk about, and I think this is kind of our big success story, is NetApp Outfall. Actually, when we bought it, it was Riverbed, but then NetApp acquired it, and it's actually worked out very, very well for us. Um, I feel like, in general, backup is like buying shoes for guys. Nobody, from the IT perspective, really wants to focus on it. and. and spend any time doing anything with it. Um, and it's not particularly sexy, but it's very uncomfortable if you don't have them. So, I mean, ultimately, we really wanted to get to a situation where we could back up our data reliably, easily, and not really worry about it. We also wanted, we don't control the secondary data center, and we really struggled sometimes to get coop based upon kind of contractual boundaries. And so ultimately, it was very compelling for us to back up data into the cloud so we didn't have to worry about dealing with all the, the bureaucracy around working with the additional contractor. Um, and, and I think one of the more compelling things was actually the deduplication. We wanted to be able to back up a lot of data and not really worry about the footprint that resides in the back. And I, actually, that's probably one of our better success stories. And then, of course, security. You can't necessarily back up all your data into the cloud and not encrypt it. So. Um, the other two gateways, I'm, I'm not sure we can necessarily call the Isilon Cloud Pools a specifically gateway, um, but uh, we, we decided on a veer um, for some of those custom applications that I mentioned, where they have those high-performance NFS characteristics, and currently they're all sort of carved up into the small, like potentially even dedicated subsystems just for those applications themselves. So the idea is we wanted to get all of those applications into you know, a centralized year instance, and then we could store that data either on our on-prem object storage or in AWS, or both, actually we can mirror it. And so I think that's been pretty successful in the sense that we've actually gotten a lot of data. We've got about 2.7 petabytes between the two last ones of primary storage on that. And it's been pretty successful in the sense that, unlike backup, I mean, we, we kind of control and manage and we only see when it falls down. The customer, like any minor blip in performance or problems, will be noticed by the customer. And these applications weren't really developed to be resilient on any level either. So it really has to be a one-for-one -one swap for what they're used to with enterprise storage. So from my perspective in sort of the IT project business, if you don't decommission something, it's not really a successful project. Like if you deploy an entirely new instance of something and the old one sticks around, it's not super successful. I mean, and, and in this case, uh, our deployment when, with the NetApp Alta uh, Vault was very successful. We decommissioned uh, six petabytes of 
block storage, our old infrastructure uh, was a net, uh, net backup instance um, backed by six petabytes of DDN block storage. We also had uh, dozens of Veeam servers, uh, if you guys are familiar with the Veeam product, to back up our virtual infrastructure. About 80% of our environment is virtual. And so we had, you know, basically two solutions that were very difficult to manage. Um, the actual maintenance tails were fairly high with both of those. And we were coming, we were having operational challenges where, you know, things weren't being backed up because they were managed by two different groups. And so we consolidated everything onto uh, 12 AltaVaults, and what we actually saw, one of the great things that we saw is that we, we had about 10x deduplication. So even though we have six petabytes going into it, it's barely 600 terabytes that we store on object storage itself. And it's become, like before we could only do five weeks of backups, now it's just like how many do we want? It's, it's not really a matter of how much storage it's consuming, it's like what is it practical for us to keep, do we care to keep it? And so we can really change it to whatever we want at this point, and it doesn't really incur a large storage tax for us. Um, Specifically on the virtual workloads, actually, we saw about 17 to 19x. So, I mean, those are real-world numbers. A lot of times the vendors, some of them over there, say that the deduplication rates are extremely high. But this is real-world numbers, which we thought were pretty impressive. And I think we just heard that we were that we have the most storage on any alt vault as well. Six petabytes is the most. So um, we're the largest customer by data. So from a benefits realized perspective, um, we decommissioned large swaths of storage. Um, we're about nine petabytes that we've moved off of old traditional subsystems between the backups and the primary storage and the Veer and the, the, uh, the Dell EMC. We're gonna, we're actually get, really getting at the point, we had some growing, growing pains with Veer and EMC, but we're really hitting our stride there. So we, a lot of our primary storage we expect in the next year to be off of all the legacy subsystems and onto these. And, you know, with backups specifically, now we have secure remote uh, backups that don't require another data center. And in terms of our government's vision of, you know, decommissioning an actual data center, this is getting them closer to their goal. So I have one more teaser um, for something that we're working on. Um, we're, as I mentioned before, we all of the applications kind of have their own potential storage subsystems. They've carved up the data. And really, the way that it works out is that just even though an application may not own the data, Fundamentally, they do because nobody else can get access to it. What we're doing now is we're looking at taking all that data from the individual applications, for lack of a better term, democratizing it, putting it in AWS, metadata tagging it, and then making it available to anybody who wants to develop an application and a capability. So, you know, shifting the focus from, you know, building custom applications for content management and actually doing more capabilities and doing more things with that data. And we, we uh, built Pivotal Cloud Foundry on top of AWS to support web applications and platform as a service and to use that data that's underpins it. So we're, we're trying to not just look at it from a traditional enterprise perspective, but we're also trying to, you know, go natively into the cloud as well. So we're, we're working on both things. So I think it'll be interesting. Next year we may be here talking about this. So. All right. Uh, I'd like to introduce Richard Spurlock from Cobalt Iron. All right, greetings. Um, who's here to find out about storage? Oh, wow. Who's here to get to lunch? <laughs> okay. All right, my name is Richard Spurlock, and uh, I have the distinct pleasure in working with our enterprise customers uh, around uh, their 
by storage, right? We're storage-centric here. Uh, their single largest application in the enterprise, and it's backup, data protection and recovery. And customers today are struggling with, you know, the growth, the management, and the complexity for not only data protection, but the recovery needs, right? So let's figure out how, you know, we do this. Cobalt Iron is, uh, was a born-on-the-cloud company. Uh, in 2013, decided we need to be able to solve the problems that customers are struggling with today as we deliver and see this transformation into hybrid workloads for these enterprises. Uh, our, our product is adaptive data protection, and what we do is that we focus on that hybrid data protection and optimizing the resources, the economics, and the behaviors around storage, storage data protection, whether it's on-premise or in the cloud. And, you know, uh, we have uh, the privilege right now where we're looking at just shy of 3 million backups a month, and we're on six continents. So it's been a fantastic journey, and taking this journey with both IBM and Amazon has been an, a very interesting ride. So let's talk about a couple examples and where we come from, if you will. Uh, click. Click. Crick. Hold on for a second. Can I do it this way? There, that'll work. All right, so this is what we refer to as the brutality of backup. What's, what's fun is customers struggle with the pain and the complexity of backup on-premise, and yet the behaviors of backup and data protection and recovery in the cloud doesn't change. We still have similar characteristics that we've got to deliver for recovery, and yet there's new context, new tools, new localities, and new capabilities that are available in the cloud infrastructure. And there's tons of moving parts for the traditional enterprise, you know, tape libraries, you know, like the previous speakers were talking about, the infrastructure, the storage that's on-prem, and then all the technologies to leverage to make this efficient and more capable. Um, and what we're seeing is that there's an increased, uh, I'll say, expectation or a zero tolerance of downtime around data protection because if somebody loses some data, I need it back and I need it back now. Not in 12 hours, not in 36 hours, I need it right now. So being able to have the infrastructure components and technologies in place to make this simple to consume and simple to operate is really important for customers and to do this in a cost-effective way. So. Cloud backup is something that's very near and dear to our heart. Uh, the, what customers are experiencing today is the transformation from that traditional on-premise into Amazon and Amazon's workloads and Amazon's resources for that elasticity and the capabilities that Amazon provides and that their traditional enterprise is transforming to. And so what we've done is that we have leveraged uh, the capabilities of Amazon and the S3 storage and other portfolio of Amazon storage components and IBM's Spectrum Protect technology for the finger in the data stream to make certain that we have decades of heritage of capability and expertise that is leveraged and developed day in and day out to be able to deliver a comprehensive solution for customers. And this is something where we've got to be able to take that traditional cost and complexity out of the equation for customers, make it very quick to adopt to deploy and to consume for customers, not a three-month, six-month project. I need an instant on tomorrow for this new workload in Amazon, and I need to be able to transform my business models to be able to pivot and navigate and make those transformations happen as an enterprise in real time. Not something that we do this in nine months because it's not safe, it's not secure yet. So that's what we deliver today. So let's go to 
the four, if you will, four quadrants that we talk about with customers. Customers see that backup from on-premise to the cloud, where uh, earlier uh, she was referencing the fact that I've got traditional backup applications, but I want to store this more efficiently and more effectively somewhere else. That's where not only can we deliver uh, data protection and storage resources more efficiently and effectively in the cloud, I can do this with the elasticity that customers want. We eliminate that over-provisioning and that over-buy that we traditionally see in enterprises. In the right, upper right, uh, this is the born on the cloud workloads. Not only do we need to be able to provide traditional backup and recovery, but I need intimate integration with the cloud service uh, provider, those Amazon resources to take the snapshots and re recover from the snapshots in a way that is Amazon specific for the resources and the economics that match that application. Bottom left is long-term archiving. Taking customers that have traditionally used backup for three years, seven years, 55 years, in one case for us, uh, retention timelines, is no longer viable. This is where Amazon and long-term retention around S3 and Glacier come in and become a real compelling value case for customers to take that data out of their traditional backup stream and leverage this as a long-term archiving and retention approach. And the last one is recovering to the cloud. This is that disaster recovery as a service that's so critical. Not only do I need to recover in the cloud, but to the cloud from the on-prem resources. Being able to deliver this in a way to where some applications, some customers, and some locations need one or more of these or a mix of these is critical for today's solutions. So Cobalt Iron delivers data protection in the Amazon cloud. That's the upper left-hand corner. Being able to protect the workloads that are there today. In the bottom, it's the physical on-premise, the facilities that customers have today, whether it's scaling data centers or it's those far-flung remote locations. We've got to be able to, to deliver a cohesive solution across this that's analytics-driven and focused on the economics for the protection for the customer. So let's talk about three customer examples. Um, what if you had tens of thousands of desktops and mobile users that need to be protected. Your business requires that, and I need to be able to protect this with very specific compliance and locality requirements to the point where I've got to build 17 facilities around the globe to be able to meet this locality and data compliance requirements. Okay? Well, here's an example, is that this organization had 50, almost 75,000 desktops uh, in their environment, hundreds of terabytes that needed to be protected, and they needed to be protected around the globe. I needed data in Singapore staying in that region. I needed data in Brazil staying in that region, etc. Um, what this is uh, provided is being able to deliver data protection as a service to them. We're able to deliver worldwide data protection services leveraging Amazon and IBM Spectrum protects integration into Amazon storage to make this efficient and very fast to perform. What's been interesting is they've dropped their uh, management time by over 80% in the environment to simplify how they actually consume, adopt, and execute data protection. And then also it allows us to be able to buy data type to match the policies and the locality requirements for this. So this data stays in this region, this data stays in that country. And being able to manage that and map that cleanly for a customer and to provide this consistently across the enterprise is extremely challenging to do in today's data protection space. Okay. 
So if you don't have desktops or servers, let's say you've got scaling data centers, and this is one of my favorites, is that we've got to be able to take the complexity that is multiple applications and multiple vendors. Uh, like the previous gentleman said, hey, I wanted to have just a, a single data protection or a single storage uh, appliance infrastructure. In this context, customers are struggling with how do I compress and eliminate data protection products and investments. There's a lot of spend there, and how do I simplify that? Being able to provide a single unified data protection solution, leveraging the IBM portfolio of products and improving the storage uh, is storage characteristics by leveraging Amazon S3 has fundamentally shifted how we consume storage at these customers. Driving this into a single consolidated backup solution and delivering Amazon S3 integration allows us to be able to provide much better economics for the customer to the point to where we have, uh, in this environment, it was an 89% reduction in storage costs. So it was a fantastic reduction for the amount of storage that they needed to provide, leveraging the data transformation technologies from the Spectrum Protect portfolio, like deduplication compression and so on, as well as continuous only change data backup that we get from that. Amazon S3 allows us to elastically expand and contract as their needs dictate. Okay, so third example. And I only have 19 of these, so we'll get to lunch here shortly. Uh, the third example is really transforming customers. We're seeing the enterprise customers take from the traditional on-premise and transform into these hybrid in enterprises. And as customers move from on-premise into the cloud and move their workloads there, we need to be able to not just uh, add yet another way to back up and recover. We need to be able to have a cohesive, consistent data protection methodology, set of tools, and a simple consumption approach to make this easy for enterprises to safely and securely transition from on-prem into these on-cloud workloads. <clears throat> In this example, this enterprise decided we're going to be able to start taking small applications all the way through production SAP and move it out of the data centers and move it into the cloud. And in the process of doing that, not only were we able to enhance their data protection, but take the workloads from an infrastructure perspective, deliver up to the, uh, the cloud environments and then protect that with the in-cloud snapshot capabilities of Amazon, storage resources for the flexibility and dynamic elastic approach for that, and then at the end of this, provide a consistent worldwide auditing and control. At the end of this, it's being able to leverage the resources and capabilities from Amazon that let us deliver a dynamic application landscape with the safety and security of data protection cohesively in the environment. So, some key considerations. As you guys are building your solutions and looking at uh, cloud uh, providers and the resources that Amazon provides, it really comes down to setting the SLAs for the business. What are the recovery targets? What are the protection targets? And how do I deliver this cohesively, independent of location or locality? Is it on-prem, is it in the cloud, or is it both as a hybrid solution? Next one is measuring the cultural differences. What yesterday was the erector set approach, buy it, build it, assemble it, pet it, love it, pour in more resources and love it some more, now is a very different universe. And it's a fantastically dynamic 
and diverse universe. So you've got to be able to manage the cultural differences to make this transition successful and smooth. And then being able to provide a unified data protection service uh, in a SaaS model, both on-prem for high-scaling, very diverse applications, whether it's your legacy AS400s, whether it's your modern, uh, let's say, Windows and Linux workloads, whether it's born-in-the-cloud activities or moved transitioned activities to the cloud, being able to provide the unified data protection across that. Not sacrificing, but enhancing those is really important for customers. Our journey started with an analytics-driven focus on how do we optimize the infrastructure, the investments, and the outcomes that customers have. We leveraged the IBM portfolio of software technology to optimize not only the ability to protect, but the breadth and the capability, unmatched capability to protect these workloads for customers. And then integrating with Amazon's flexible technology and infrastructure has made it to where it's an unbeatable combination. So, with this, I'll turn it over to Sir Nelson. Thank you. Great. So, first of all, I want to say thank you to our presenters. Uh, they take, took a lot of time out of their schedule to help get this set up, um, to give you this information, and to really share their experiences with you to help you along with your journey uh, into the cloud. So. Um, please, uh, when you get a chance, reach out and thank them for, for what they've done and not the work they've put into this. So what's next? What are the building blocks for your enterprises? How do you take this information and move forward in your environments to build out, envir to build out solutions that work for you? Yeah, you're right, it doesn't work. So if you were to look at the AWS solution as a whole, it is a forest of different services, different environments, different capabilities out there. But you only have to really look at a few of those that apply to your solution, apply to what you want to do. It may look confusing at first, but if you drill down into it, you can really look at and see what you need to do and the pieces that you need to put together to help your solution along. And in many cases... Your partners have already done this for you. They've already identified the pieces that you need to do, that you need to consume, and you just need to follow the, the instructions and what they've done and what, how they put it together for you. So there's not, there's not a lot of work you necessarily need to do in this environment. So what we do within AWS is we have a storage competency, and those competency programs identify those partners who have reached a very high level of competency and expertise within not only their particular solution, but how their solution fits within AWS. How does it work? Does it work well? Is it well architected? Have they considered how cost factors into how their solution works with, your, with the customer? Have they looked at how they most effectively use and store data within AWS? Have they looked at things like what happens if a particular AWS element has, needs to be migrated to another solution, or another, another instance of that solution? Those type of things are all considered within this competency program that allow you as the customer to be confident in the solutions that come out of this program. So, for instance, in primary storage, we have Avere, we have NetApp, uh, we have Cetera, all of which we've talked about today. 
We have other ones like Soft Nazarin and Zadara who provide these type of solutions who have gone through this program. In the backup and recovery space, we have IBM. We have Dell EMC. We have other ones that have gone through this as well, have done a lot of work in ensuring that their solutions work well with AWS, that provide you with the best value, best performance, best capabilities that you need to solve your particular problem, your particular technical problem, or particular business problem. So it allows you to do these type of things. We also offer areas within the archive and BCDR space. So if you're looking at things like, how do I do DR into the AWS? How do I kind of maybe get rid of that secondary data center and use AWS as my secondary data center instead? Or how do I start consuming things like Glacier? How do I move data that has smaller value to me to a storage that has very low costs? still want to keep the data, but I want to move it to something that's a lower cost storage so I can keep it for longer periods of time without spending a lot of money. So there are solutions that fit into that space as well that help you do those type of operations. What you'll find is a lot of these solutions can be consumed in a number of different ways. You can buy them directly from your, your partner. You can go to Marketplace. This is a great, exa- great option. If you're already consuming these solutions, or you already have NetApp on, on site, for instance, and you want to try Cloud ONTAP, you can go to Marketplace and rent a copy of Cloud ONTAP, pay, pay for a certain period of time, test it, make sure it does what you want it to do. And then you can decide, hey, I'll keep it. Or maybe you have a maintenance contract that's coming up and you want to include it as part of the contract. Number of different ways to do it, but Marketplace gives you the ability to consume these at the level and the quantity that you want to do. So again, a number of different solutions within the different areas of expertise and, and go from that point. Many of you already have these solutions in-house. You're a Veritas customer, you're a NetApp customer, you're an IBM customer. You're already doing work with these companies. Don't throw that expertise away. Don't, don't throw the operational experience that you have worked so hard to gain away to go do that. Look at these, look at these solutions. Look at how they can be leveraged, taking advantage of the features already built in to start that journey or, com- or continue that journey to the cloud. There's no reason why you should have to all of a sudden pick up and say, oh, I got a new, learn a new solution set. That's not necessary. Most of the time, most of your partners that do your major operational heavy lifting already have these solutions. So leverage them. Make sure that you can go and have that conversation with your partner because most likely they already can help you with that solution. If not, you know, have the conversation with your AWS rep. Have the conversations, have those joint conversations because they may be able to craft solutions together that are even more powerful than what you have and still leverage that operational experience. So what should you do? You've seen a lot of things. You've gone 
and you've, you've spent the time to sit here and listen to us talk to you about all these different solutions, how different people have implemented these types of things. What's kind of the call to action? Start looking on the solution, looking at the solutions. You can go to the AWS Partner Network. Take a look at the solutions that are there. Think about your business problems, your technical problems that you need to solve, and look at those solutions on APN and see if they start to fit. If you have kind of an idea, go to the competency program. See, see the solutions that are out there that have gone through that high bar of, of validation and technical excellence. Also look at the marketplace. Maybe I need a new solution. Maybe I have a solution that I think might work, but I want to test it. Go out to marketplace and test it. The cost to test it is not great. You can go out, spin it up, run it for a few hours, and shut it back down. Have a very small little blip on your bill to see if that solution will actually do what you expect it will do. So use Marketplace, leverage Marketplace as an initial testing bed. And if you like it, keep it. And if you don't and it doesn't quite meet it, move on to the next solution. Move forward from there. So thank you very much for, for attending. Thank you for um, taking the time out. To, to listen to what we have to say. We'll be over to the side if you have specific questions about specific solutions, and we'll be happy to hear from you.